Hello, friend. Carm Capriato here. Remarkable Results Radio is episode 487. You know, there's no denying that time flies so fast, and technology seems to be built to overtake the very things our expertise was just focused on. Will the new stuff stay just for a little while? There are new smartphones, it seems, released every few months. In for his third enlightening discussion on where automotive tech is heading is Joe Register. And a lot of what we're working on right now is to figure out how an aftermarket shop is going to be able to ensure everything's working just the way it was designed before the car gets released. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hello, friend. Carm Capriato here, the automotive aftermarket podcast guy and the founder and host of Remarkable Results Radio. Hey, at a recent industry event, I heard from people that expressed their appreciation for the powerful content library that we have here. It has helped them open up their views and perspectives by hearing their industry peers who share their select areas of wisdom. So could you do me a favor? Share this episode. I'm confident that your friend will appreciate it. It's all about tech. Also find all my social connections and free subscription listening apps at remarkableresults.biz social. Hey, Remarkable Results Radio is proud to partner with Napa Auto Care and the 2020 Napa Expo. Hey, join Napa, including their suppliers, industry experts, and your peers in Las Vegas, April 6th through 9th, 2020. It's where you'll discover the latest news and industry information to keep you on the cutting edge. Contact your Napa store for the details on how to enroll. Hey, did you see the Napa Insights magazine for the third quarter of 2019? Well, you'll see a featured article on yours truly. Thanks, Napa for the great profile. My guest today is Joe Register, Vice President of Emerging Technologies at AutoCare. Now, Joe has over 40 years of experience delivering progressive system solutions to companies in every channel of the automotive aftermarket. Now, you owe it to yourself to listen to Joe's two previous episodes, 381 and 442, Enlightening. You know, this episode shows you that there is no hiding from technology. Adapt or fade. Those will be the rules going forward. Now, Joe reiterates standardization, immersive perception technology, ADAS, dedicated short-range communication, 5G, recalibration, OE operating specs, and more. Now, I love talking with Joe Register, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. Find the show notes at remarkableresults.biz slash E47 as we talk about the tech that will build a dynamic picture of the road as you drive. Joe says that technicians must continue to train because of the new tech coming ever so quickly. Now, those that learn will have great job security and shops, you'll need to charge enough to pay for access, systems, and their people, including your communication diagnostician specialist so that he or she can get the vehicle back into OE operating specs. How do we address this? What's our immediate and long-term goals? Modules, standards, regulations, calibrations, a lot of things are going to change. Now, the question is, where do we position ourselves within the next 10 years? Fight or fold? I know you'll fight to be at the forefront of our changing technology. Hey, Carm Capriato, Apex 2019 in the 
studio with Joe Register. Hey, Joe. Hey, Carm. A, a wonderful contributor to the podcast. Uh, and uh, I, I appreciate it. I know you have done a ton of work to prepare for Apex and for uh, all the shop owners and all the technicians and anyone in the industry to come in and really get a glimpse of where we've been, what's going on now, and what the future of all the tech that seems to be running and controlling our lives. And, uh, you know, Joe, how many people are saying, no, I don't want to pay attention to that. No, that's not for me. It's never going to happen on my watch. But you know different, don't you? I'm afraid so, Carm. I I don't think there's any hiding from technology anymore. I mean, the the reality of the situation is that we kind of faced that many years ago. If you recall, um, engine management kind of became the first place where we saw a lot of computerization and some folks felt, well, I just don't want to get involved in that. I don't want to learn it. So they went to kind of hide to do undercar. And then active suspension started coming out and automated braking and a whole bunch of other things. And so technology is not going to give you a quarter. You have to you have to address it. It's almost like you can't watch TV unless you're a geek. Yeah, that's right. Isn't that amazing? Well, I think sometimes the remote controls are more complicated <laughs> yeah. than the engine management systems. Oh, I know. Mind. Oh, God. Try to download an app on TV to do... So. Oh, never mind. Since there's so much tech, Joe, we risk not paying attention to it. And... What would you recommend a, a service professional does besides coming to a show and, and coming to all of these wonderful panels? I have to tell you, you've amassed some fabulous panels. I'll be in the studio for most of the time. I wanted to go to every one of them because I know the people on the panels. I, I appreciate the topics you're talking about. But I don't want to talk about news. I want to talk about solutions to, to to the tech issue and what we as an industry need to do to embrace it and move forward. Sure. Well, and as a matter of fact, quite a few people on our panels, I think, have been in your podcast yes, as well. Yes, so, they have. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people are trying to get their heads wrapped around what connected automated vehicles mean to them and how it's going to affect their business. And, you know, there's, there's risks to it, but there's also opportunities. And when we start taking it apart, there's really two groups of technology. There's the automation side, and that's all the sensors and control networks and the actuators. These are all the things that automate a vehicle. And then there's communication technologies. These are all the V2V and V2I and all that stuff. Really what it's talking about is in the future, there's going to be a combination of these automation technologies and communication technologies that will build a dynamic picture of the road as you're flying down that road at 60 miles an hour. So um, the, the, the idea will be that as a technician, you have to be aware that, that if there's going to be a dependence in both of these groups of technologies. So when you release a car in, in you know five years from now or eight years from now, you're going to have to make absolutely sure that all of these are working together the way they were originally designed to make sure the car is safe and, and uh, operates on the road the way it was intended. I read something in one of your bulletins on one of the panels, and the, and the words were, uh, 
the world of immersive perception models. Right. And I looked at that and I said, man, that's pretty sexy. The the power to fully automate vehicles in the near future with immersive perception models. And is is that the anticipation of of what that's exactly what it is? Really? Yeah. So so what essentially perception technologies is this combination of the vehicle sensors in harmony with the communications that are coming to the vehicle from either other vehicles or infrastructure. And uh, that's what creates this this dynamic map. What kind of processing power oh, is well. is our vehicle going to need? How hot's it going to get? <laughs> How expensive is it going to be? You, you know, it seems to me that the vehicle may be the most technically advanced machine we're ever going to have on, uh, in our world. There's already uh, more lines of code in the uh, vehicles that are released with um, advanced uh, driver assistance systems than there are in fighter jets. And so you're talking about millions of lines of code. Now, the really interesting thing about this is that, that there's not obviously one code base. What there are are all these modules. And so, you know, that started out with maybe 20 or 30 engine management modules. And now we're getting up to like 130 modules in the vehicle. Now, everybody believes that there's going to start being a collapse of that and they're going to be fewer more intelligent, more complex modules, so there's going to be a consolidation. And, um, you know, really what's interesting about that is the aftermarket manufacturers are going to have to adapt to that. And, um, you know, a lot of times they're facing right now some pretty onerous policies from the OE saying, you can't copy our software, we're going to encrypt it, you're not going to be able to move it to an aftermarket part. And so when you ask about solutions, I mean, one of the things that I'm very proud that we're doing from the Emerging Technologies Group is, is not just raising the flag, but saying, what can we do in order to be able to make sure the aftermarket is not just, you know, surviving, but thriving in this environment. So are you getting things done? Are you you're coming up with solutions and standards? Yes, we Ooh, are. Okay. And, and so we started with the communications piece because everybody was very concerned about the concept of extended vehicle which essentially was everything goes through the vehicle manufacturers back in before you can get it. So we've been working on um, ways to be able to provide safe, secure, standardized and direct access to the vehicle. And so we we had three standards that we've been working on in ISO and um, just 18 months ago or so, and we've already got two of them published, and the third one is going to be published uh, by April of next year. Was that an act of God? Well, it feels like it. I think most people usually describe, um, you know, the rate of, of change in a standards group as glacial. Wow. So uh, yeah. to get that done in that period of time. In 18 months. Uh, can you tell me what they were? Yeah, sure. So there's, um, there's one standard that talks directly about the encryption of information coming over, you know, from the vehicle. And uh, that uses uh, these keys. And it's very similar to what you use to access your bank account. Card. Okay. So sure. it's, uh, it's called PKI, which is public uh, encryption. The, uh, then there's digital certificates. And this is all about authentication and authorization. So um, these standards now are available and we're working in Europe as well as in the U.S. to get these baked into the requirements for communication. So if you're going to attach to the infrastructure, you have to use these standards. So we we had a bit of a coup just a a few weeks ago, 
in uh, the ISO uh, TC204 committee. It's about a 500-person committee, and, you know, it participates globally. They have adopted this one standard on the security as the way to secure all ITS communications in the future. And any work group who wants to play in the sandbox, play in the sandbox, has to use this standard. Now, the beauty of this is that um, this addresses directly the issue of security without having to wrapper a vehicle and push all the information directly to the OE. So it's a, it's a standardized method of getting access. Oh. Even more exciting is we've come up with a little proof of concept app. So if you come by the booth, we're at 31021. Okay. And um, we can show you a prototype that actually is a little smartphone app. And uh, you can authenticate yourself as the owner of the vehicle. And uh, the uh, repair facility authenticates itself as someone that can do the work. And then you can actually decide where your data is going to go using these standards. Um, interesting. So I authenticate me as the owner. Right. And then I go to a shop. How do I vet that shop? Because I know that, that he is really good. I mean, I, I'm a shop. I don't have, I'm not registered. I'm not licensed in certain states. I mean, you just opened up a can of worms in my mind. <laughs> well, we yeah, I mean, I think that the can of worms is already there. And we haven't necessarily identified <laughs> I'm it. I'm sorry, before. you're right. You're right. <laughs> I think I think at the end of the day, um, there's two pieces to this, Carmen, and one of them is the technologies. So you kind of have to know how to do this before you can, or, you know, start thinking about how you're going to do it from a policy and a governance perspective. So there's two pieces here. The technology's now been addressed. Now we have to start working on the policy and governance side that says who's going to control this access, who's going to be able to authenticate and authorize this. This app isn't live now. You're just no, going to ah, proof of concept. A proof of all right, so you're really going to say is we think we may have figured this out. Mm -hmm. Now underneath both of these, um, you know, authorizing me as the owner, authorizing the shop as the preferred vendor. There's got to be a lot of heavy work done under the Absolutely. covers. Um, and, and, and boy, if that's a 500-person committee, it'll never get figured out. <laughs> well, no, the ISO won't be doing that. This is something that has to be done at, the, um, at either the, uh, in Europe, it's a regulatory level because they're much more regulatory, okay. you know, supportive. In the U.S., what we intend to do is bring much of what we develop in Europe over to the U.S. But again, these certificate groups are very similar to what the DOT came up with a few years ago. And uh, it's certificate management groups. Wow. Can you imagine walking over the ocean <laughs> with the European <laughs> standard and then say, hmm, hmm, from sea to shining sea, Where's that regulatory? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's going, to be, it's going to feel very different. It's going to look very different. But under the covers, it should be very similar in the way that it actually works. So we have a certificate management authority uh, right here in the booth that's working with us, ISS. And they're the ones actually working with Chrysler right now to give access. The Chrysler's managing this process internally. They're judge and jury about who gets access to what. What we're really talking about is something very similar, but moving it to an independent third party. The impact of this, Joe, 
five years, ten years? This feels this feels to me like it's about a three-year horizon, Carm. And and what we have to do is start baking the standards in because keep in mind there is a development curve, right? So the OEs, if if we got this baked into standards tomorrow, it's going to take a couple of years to actually have it in place. So one of the things that we've done is we've been working on a retrofit device that can actually go on those cars that still have all the information flowing through an OBD so you could retrofit that as well. Really? Now, keep in mind, AutoCare is an association representing all the different players in the aftermarket. So we don't actually create or sell any of these apps. This is to empower people to come up with these applications. Hey, it's Carm here, talking to you about what the Napa Auto Care Center program can do for your business. Now, you probably already know the Napa brand is the most recognized and trusted name in the automotive aftermarket industry. In fact, studies show that 95% of consumers recognize Napa and associate it with quality parts, service, and technical expertise. So why not complete a pro-image upgrade and take advantage of that? ProImage is a co-branding program for the exterior and interior of your shop. On the outside, it includes the Napa colors and distinctive Napa signage. While the public may know you as a reliable locally owned business, a ProImage upgrade helps set your shop apart from the competition even further. It's also a visual signal to customers and potential customers that you and Napa are partners. Most importantly, ProImage really works. This co-branding opportunity has helped Napa Auto Care Centers across the country increase their car counts and sales. In fact, those that have completed a ProImage project enjoy an average 23% sales increase during the first year. ProImage upgrades are also available for the interior of your shop. A ProImage interior upgrade transforms your customer waiting area from merely utilitarian to warm and welcoming. The goal is to maintain your shop's independent identity while enhancing the customer's experience. You can get a free look at what a Pro Image exterior and interior upgrade could look like by visiting the Napa Auto Care member site and clicking on the Napa Pro Image link under the Napa Pro Image tab. Or contact your local Napa Auto Parts store. Your servicing Napa store can tell you more about Pro Image plus the hundreds of other reasons to become part of the Napa Auto Care family, the largest network of independent automotive repair shops in the country. Joe, is it tough for you to be an association and be so engaged and involved in these standards with ISO and realizing that the work you may do may never see the light of day <laughs> down over here where the working people are? But we try not to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but, you know, I, I think from a practical perspective, what we're saying is, look, the, the risk in, in just allowing things to go the way they were headed is so great of being cut out of the picture and not being able to get access to the information that's absolutely necessary to repair the car. So if you were at breakfast this morning, you got a chance to hear a little bit about that discussion and yep. saying, no, you got to get the data. You got to have access to yep. the data. Yeah. Yep. And, and I was at breakfast and, uh, and I did hear the story. I have interviewed Paul and I have interviewed Bill on, mm -hmm. on those identical subjects. In fact, we are going to interview Paul McCarthy and Bill Hanvey here yet this week at Apex Great. and get ourselves an update. Joe, put your thinking cap on in something that's probably closer uh, to the, it is reality today, ADAS mm -hmm. calibrations. What, what's the buzz? What are you hearing? I, I know you're doing a lot at the uh, in the show booth. 
uh, on emerging tech. What do you, what do you try, what's the message to the industry today from your perspective on ADAS? So, um, right now it's kind of the wild west with ADAS. I mean, all the manufacturers are doing their own thing. They're coming up with their own, um, you know, targets and their own process and their own procedures and et cetera. And some of them are much better than others. I mean, some of them look like they were almost afterthoughts and some people jotted down some notes about what to do. Yeah. They call them the rinky dink target. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, from our end, uh, we want to get some standardization in place that says, look, if you're different, why are you different? I mean, why are you really, is this, is this a value add? Are you doing something differently that really provides value to the consumer and the car and, and the process? Or is it just different because you just didn't pay any attention to what the best practices are? And, and to get some best practices baked into some standards so that you don't have to, you know, what kind of car is this now? Now I got to think about it a completely different way of going about, you know, the, the calibration exercise. And so we have Hunter Engineering. Um, we have uh, Ryan Frisch, who's the lead engineer from Hunter, that's leading this work group. And, uh, you know, we have not just Hunter, but some of their competitors and other folks that are participating on the work group to do this standardization. One other plug I'll throw in here is that this uh, Southwest Research Institute has been very uh, forthcoming and working with us, and they work a lot with the OEs. And um, this group is is also participating with us and, um, you know, helping us to be able to make this recalibration uh, standardization as OE friendly as possible. I mean, we're not going into what the, does that mean? What that means essentially is the fact that they're used to speaking the OE's language. I mean, they're working with OE engineers yeah. on a daily basis and helping to develop things. So one of the things that you know happens here is that the OEs naturally trust engineers that they've been working with over time, and they they're used to referring to particular kinds of processes a certain way and all the rest. You'd be surprised how difficult it is to just get the nomenclature consistent when you're trying to bring concepts together. And so having somebody to do that interpretation and work through that process with us is very important. A friendly face, so to speak, so that the OE doesn't feel like we're trying to do something to them instead of doing something with them. That's a great strategy. Thank you. A great strategy. I like that. They're a well-known, respected company. They are. Yeah, Southwest is great. I mean, they've got 2,500 engineers, and about 1,200 of them are in automotive. Now, they do aerospace and healthcare and a whole oh, bunch of other things, but yeah. they're, they're very talented people. Just go on their website. You'll be very, Amazed. very impressed. Yeah. 5G. Mm -hmm. uh, I know it's rolling out. I know they're trying to sell phones and talk it up. Is that really going to help catapult what we're doing in this, you know, vehicle to vehicle communication is is, is, is is it necessary and will it have the kind of impact that they say? There there certainly has been a, a lot of talk about manufacturers saying that DSRC is not something they feel that they wanted to invest. Dedicated short range communication. Yeah, I just wanted to help. <laughs> you taught me that, buddy. It was you who said, Carm, here's that acronym yeah. you need to know. Well, it's this it, all of the ITS um, infrastructure that's out there. And, and in fact, there's a very robust infrastructure here in Las Vegas. They have about 100 roadside units. And um, one of our demos actually connects to them and shows how to use it. But those are all these are all the, the digital short range communication mm -hmm. pieces. Um, the work that we're doing with standards, CARM, is agnostic about which 
particular kind of communication layer you want to have. So it works just as effectively with you know cellular networks as it does with you know DSRC. Um, the manufacturers are the ones that are pushing this, and I think that a lot of the reason for it is the fact that they have a very close relationship with a lot of these. Um, these companies that make the chips for the 5G and so forth. Now, you know, quite frankly, they stopped an initiative in Europe um, strictly because of the uh, their concerns about that technology. We don't care. We just want them to settle it, and we want to have a consistency. Are you saying that the car is going to be smart enough to know if it's C, V to X, or if it's like these roadside infrastructures? I mean, is it going to be able to switch on and off and, and, and learn it from the signal? Could. Now, that's, a, that's an initiative that's going on right now, hybrid communications, which okay. means you can be able to, to, to switch and have, let's say, ITS coming over DSRC and having, you know, V to V coming over uh, a cellular connection. Um, it's certainly possible. Is thing is this just getting too complicated and, well, and too layered and too ooh three headed monsterish? <laughs> From a standpoint, if you think about it, on your phone, right? You have Bluetooth on your phone. You have you know Wi Fi on your phone. Yeah. You have uh, cellular, cellular on your yeah, phone. Yeah. So really, it's not as complicated as it may okay, sound. Right. Um, but at the end of the day. These cities have put in a tremendous amount of equipment that's using DSRC. My guess is they're not going to change to something else, have to retrofit all those devices. I mean, Manhattan already has over 500 roadside units, and they're headed to 1,000. Okay. That's a lot of retrofit. So, um, each vehicle manufacturer that's going to put in any kind of tech that's going to communicate in all forms has to be sure that their code, their antennas, their receivers, their transmitters can, can handle everything. And, and this is kind of back to where we started, which is as an aftermarket shop. Now, think about it this way. A car comes in. Maybe, they, maybe there was some fender bender damage, right? So maybe the body shop, you know, they made the repairs and they kind of straightened the sensing devices the best they could or replaced them with new brackets and so forth. Now it comes into a shop to actually either theirs or another shop to do all the calibration. So once you get to the point where both the communication and these onboard sensors have to be aligned perfectly in order to get the information externally as well as internally and have a perfect picture of the road going forward. How are you going to test for that when you release the car? And a lot of what we're working on right now is to figure out how an aftermarket shop, or any shop for that matter, is going to be able to ensure everything's working just the way it was designed before the car gets released. Okay, so we're going to have to have a diagnostician communication network specialist <laughs> on board. I mean, and, and it's and getting me, complex. The job security of knowing and learning and staying up to speed as a technician today is going to almost ensure and guarantee you a job. And as long as we can pay that person enough money to stay sure. on staff and continue to learn, We've got to get paid for all the stuff that we know and do in the in the aftermarket shops. Absolutely, Carmen. I mean, look at again. This is back to the opportunity side, which is a normal wheel alignment might cost you 150 bucks. A safety alignment with all the ADAS recalibration and so forth, a thousand bucks. Now that's an opportunity as well as a risk. If you don't know what you're doing, it's a risk. If you do know what you're doing, and you're one of the shops that's completely outfitted and you're trained and you're ready to go. 
there's some nice opportunity there as well. So don't walk away from any kind of training. Don't uh, no, don't, take as don't, much as you can and, and get to Apex. If you're not here, if you didn't come this year in 2019, uh, now that it is public, uh, what's so exciting that Apex announced this morning is Repair Shop Headquarters. Very exciting. They're yeah. going to dedicate an entire, the lower half of Sands uh, to, to it. Uh, I just got some detail about it. It's so exciting. And uh, obviously, you'll, you'll have your work cut out for you to, to be part of that, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're very excited about the fact that they're really making, uh, an, you know, it's, it, it's going to emphasize the repair side of this conference. Because that's so important going forward. It's critical. Right? Oh, ab- yeah. It, it is like the single most critical part of our industry. The, uh, our technicians, our shop owners, uh, the people that are in the face of the customer and need to provide safe and reliable repairs uh, so that, you know, we continue to get drive Susie to, you know, dance recital and sure. and Johnny to soccer. You know, the OEs don't have enough bays anyway. No, they I don't. mean, they, you know, there's no way they can do all this work. And, and the reality is that if we don't, if we're not trained, if we're not equipped, if we don't have all this um, figured out in the very near future, then uh, cars may not be uh, properly um, released. I am so confident that our industry will meet the call. We always will have. Do what they have to do. Will and again, I think the separation of you know the, the guys that are going to continue and the ladies, the guys and gals are going to continue to own shops and be in the business. The separation, if you will, uh, oil the oil and vinegar is going to is going to start uh, start to separate. Well, you know, yeah, that's right. I mean, you know. It, I'm, I've uh, I've been in the in the business for a while, and I remember when the OBD port first came out, and people were wringing their hands and running around. I mean, it was points condenser, distributor cap, right? I mean, that was you know pretty much your your entire. Uh, Here was the word. I'll, I'll give you the word. Arg. <laughs> so this OBD port starts coming out. You start getting diagnostic information, and people were like, "Oh no, we'll never keep up." I mean, we handled it. We got involved in it. We've come out with the right tools and the right training. You know, we will address all this. We just, I think everybody just needs to understand that we can't approach it maybe the way we have in the past. Uh, we have to work at a standards level. We have to get the right kind of, you know, acumen. We're not going to stumble through no, it this no, time. No, we have to be much, much better and much more sophisticated. And on purpose and serious That's and right. committed with a good strategic plan and knowing what you're doing and, and, uh, and good. Hey, um, Thanks for being here. Uh, you Always know, my I, pleasure. I just learned so much. You, you just uh, wow. Have a wealth of wealth <laughs> of knowledge, Joe Register. Thanks for uh, thanks again for stopping by. I appreciate the uh, invitation, Carmen. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.